Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Esther Meckler. Esther is the founder and president of Marion's Dream. Her areas of expertise include grassroots organizing, leadership development, information networking, and the implementation of projects and programs to end the cat and dog surplus. As part of Marion's dream, Esther co-produced the video Throwaways and its Spanish-language equivalent, Rechazados, addressing the overpopulation of cats and dogs. In 1990, she founded Spay USA, originally a program of Marion's Dream. Spay USA is now a program of the North Shore Animal League America, operating a toll-free hotline with two full-time phone counselors to help callers find low-cost, high-quality spay-neuter services in their areas. Esther has spoken at and organized seminars and conferences in the U.S. and overseas. She has assisted with the startup of hundreds of affordable spay programs and clinics, both fixed site and mobile, throughout the United States. Thanks to Esther's Spay USA model, an interest in sharing replication programs have begun in other nations, including Spay Panama, Spay Costa Rica, and the National Desexing Network in Australia. For her work, Esther won the Geraldine R. Dodge Award for Humane Ethics in Action in 1995. Esther received her bachelor's degree from Bates College, spending her junior year in Geneva, Switzerland, studying with psychologist Jean Piaget. Her master's of education and sixth-year degrees are from the University of Rochester in education. Esther, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stacey. Thanks for having me. So I was just wondering, you have a fantastic resume. You've been in the business for a long time. How did you find your passion for community cats? Well, this started when I was living in Connecticut. I lived near Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is a large, troubled city of about 150,000. And I went to the shelter a couple of times. And I remember seeing one of those big male cats, you know, the big head and very serene demeanor. I called him Buddha. And he was so wonderful. I couldn't take him myself, but I asked the people to please hold him and I would try to find a home for this very special fellow. And I remember how hard it was. I tried everyone I knew and I kept going back. And one day Buddha just wasn't there anymore. And I know he didn't get adopted. He was just gone. And I'll never know the full story. But it really upset me profoundly that such a wonderful creature would end up there. And I just realized that we have to prevent the births of all these cats. I began to see just how hard it is to get good homes for these animals. And that's the day Spay USA was born. I felt that if this cat shouldn't have been born and if there weren't such a surplus, they'd all have a better shot at a good life. So what I did as far as action goes is I went to my vet, Dr. Arnold Brown, and I asked him if he would give a discount to people I referred to him. And he said, yeah, I'll do that. And then, of course, it came to me that this could work with other vets, too. And that's how it started back in 1990 with Dr. Arnold Brown. I think he gave 50% off for people I referred to him for spaying their cats or dogs. I worked in my basement by myself, and I just did outreach to a lot of places. I just figured if it's going to work in Bridgeport, Connecticut, why wouldn't it work elsewhere? 
gradually built up all 50 states. In each state, there were referrals. And my work the first three years or so was just to find good referrals in all 50 states and then get a toll-free line so anyone could reach me. <laughs> That's where it started. So initially, you saw that first cat and you realized that the reason that he was out there was probably because someone had abandoned him because your program focused on the owned cats. So when you first started out, you were focused on providing affordable spay-neuter opportunities for owned cats. Could you share with us your process for coming to that conclusion as to why that would be a beneficial thing to do? Well, the reason there are so many cats out on the streets is that they've lost their homes. There's too many cats for the number of good permanent homes. And it seemed like that was the place to start, to just prevent the births in the first place. So we provided an easy way for people to get their cats fixed. I think many of these community cats that are on the streets, either they or their mothers or fathers were put out on the street. But if they hadn't been in the first place, if they had had a good permanent home, they wouldn't have been at risk, shall we say. So then you started Spay USA and you operated it out of your house. How many years did you run it from your house in Connecticut? It was three years. It was in 1993 in May that Susan Easterly wrote an article for Cat Fancy magazine called Serving Animals. And when that issue came out, I have phone records to show that we had 23,000 calls that month. So the phone was ringing day and night. I could hear it up in my bedroom in the middle of the night. It was just ringing all the time. And I knew it was way beyond what I would be able to provide. The need was enormous. And that's when I looked to find outside support. And you found the North Shore Animal League. Yes, that's correct. John Stevenson thought that might really be a good fit with them, that they would have the program and I would run it. And it worked out very well. They provided two phone counselors and they computerized the database and were very supportive of making the program grow, having conferences, both national and regional conferences. So it really began to take off in a much better way when we had a staff there. And the liaisons were referring people to private practices initially, and then once the Humane Alliance Clinic started launching, then they would also refer people to the mobile clinics or the Humane Alliance or the stationary clinics. Basically, they would refer people anywhere they could get access to low-cost spay and neuter, I would assume. That's true. That was actually true from the beginning. The first few were private vets, but I soon found out that the way to find affordable spay-neuter services was to call shelters or clinics in cities where they already existed. So right from the get-go, we provided information on any of those options. And then at a point in time, you decided it would be good to also then splinter off and really have some statewide dedicated initiatives. Do you want to tell me a bit about that? Sure. The way that came about was as the years went on, it became almost unmanageable. There were so many new programs developing within the states and some other programs folding, you know, some of the small ones or veterinarians raised their prices too high and we couldn't keep them on the list. I began to see that really a country with 360 million people was really too large for one single person to manage to keep track of in an accurate way. And it made sense then to think about it in terms of states. In other words, if you live in Massachusetts, you pretty well know what's going on in Massachusetts. So I began to see that this country is so big that it was very tough to keep things accurate and up to date without having on the ground people, the grassroots people in the states feeding the information or keeping track of the information for their states. That's So that's how how that began to come about. I'd say towards 2010, 2008, that's when that began to become really clear to me that or one tiny office could not handle all of that and keep it updated. So that's how that came about. And this is through the United Spay Alliance. 
Yes, that's what evolved. What happened was towards 2010, towards the end of my work period there, people became very interested in, in meeting and sharing their ideas, sharing their problems and their solutions. And that was really the genesis of United Spay Alliance. And then since I have retired, there are more and more people developing state programs. And just very recently, less than a year ago, they filed to have a 501c3 of their own. And just about two weeks ago, got their first director. And I would say when I look at the map on the website, about two thirds of the country is covered at this point in time. Well, it's about 30 of them. So we still have about 20 to go. And it's very tough to find just the right fit. You know, you have to find a person who's very interested in leadership and who's willing and able to do it. You have to have a an organization that's stable that would be the fiscal agent for the program. And in some states, it's proven to be very difficult to find just that right person. And you've used different models. I mean, some have been large organizations that run adoption centers and have large spay-neuter clinics. And then there are other organizations that may have a smaller budget and don't run really sort of the bricks and mortar programs, but act more like just the referral, the networking, really focusing on getting the right people connected together to be able to make the greatest impact in the state. That's perfectly put. We're flexible on that. We just want to make sure that whoever it is has a successor in mind, has a succession plan, you know, has it really thought it through so that these programs have a good shelf life that they're going to go on as long as they're needed. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Ready to make a big difference for cats in your community? We've got an exciting opportunity that can jumpstart your efforts. The Community Cats Podcast has launched Community Cats Grants. When you qualify for this innovative program, you'll gain valuable knowledge about how to raise funds for your spay-neuter efforts. Plus, we'll match the funds you raise up to $1,000, doubling your ability to make a difference for cats. Fundraising doesn't have to be scary. We'll be with you every step of the way. Check it out. You can find all of the details on the Community Cats Podcast website, under our education menu. Let's join forces to make the world a better place for community cats. So I want to turn our conversation towards pediatric spay and neuter. You have a campaign called Fix Felines by Five. Can you just tell me a little bit about pediatric spay and neuter, the importance of it, and why Fix Felines by Five? I met Dr. Mackey about 20 years ago in 1993, actually in Chicago at the AVMA. And that was the meeting where pediatric spay was first accepted, I believe, uh, officially for shelter animals. So from the beginning, I was in touch with Dr. Leo Lieberman and Dr. Marvin Mackey, both of whom were the main proponents of doing early spay neuter. The bottom line, as far as we're concerned about the numbers, is that if you catch them before their first heat, which is really anywhere from two months to five months, you will prevent a first litter. It's very sad to say that there are still vets right now, even in New England here where things are moving along nicely, that refuse to spay or neuter cats before six months or even before eight months. And that is squarely where the blame is for these full shelters. If veterinarians refuse to spay or neuter these cats, they will become pregnant and they will have litters. I mean, a lot of people who get kittens don't realize that a cat can mate with its brother or mother or father There's a lot of information that people don't have about why it's so key to fix before five months. There's behavioral reasons. They don't spray and develop these bad behaviors that make them lose their homes if they're fixed before first heat, before sexual maturity. There's medical reasons, too. Mammary gland tumors don't develop. Mammary gland cancer doesn't happen if a cat is fixed before first heat. 
So there's a lot of reasons for doing it, but there's been an amazing reluctance on the part of many vets to do this early spay-neuter, despite evidence that it works just fine. And because the vets aren't doing it, they're not telling their clients to do it. An Ipsos study done in 2009 and 2011 for PetSmart Charities showed that three out of four people who have pets do not know when to fix those pets, or they think it's six months or older. There's not been a lot of education from the veterinarians on a broad scale. You need to fix cats before five months. So it's been kind of left to us really to do it. Fix Felines by Five campaign is featured on the Marion's Dream website, and I would urge people to Google Fix by Five Months. And on that site, there's an overview of why, all these medical reasons and behavioral community reasons. There's also a tab called Taking Action. And then there are lots of resources and references. So our hope is that your listeners will check this out and will download materials and take them to their veterinarians and urge the veterinarians to take a leadership role in educating the public that fixing their felines before the first heat is just key for many reasons. So if I happen to have gotten my kitten either from a neighbor or Craigslist or some other avenue. And I wanted to do pediatric spay-neuter. Is that something that I could request of my veterinarian? You could, yes. Again, I would say if he or she says, no, I won't do it, I would urge the person listening now to bring in some materials that they can download from our website and ask that veterinarian to consider doing it. And if they won't consider doing it, check around to see if there's another vet in the community that will do it. I'll tell you the simple thing that sold me with regards to pediatric spay-neuter is selfish on my part. I've been in the business for a long time, but many people know that shelter stuff makes me a little squeamish. So I'm not one to do a lot of vaccinations and blood draws and that kind of thing. But the one thing I loved to see was a litter or a couple of litters of kittens after surgery because they didn't know what hit them. They were out for like 10 minutes It was like a blip on the screen for them. And then I've seen so many mothers or older cats that have had to have a 45-minute spay because their ovaries had disintegrated. And so you have to go around and look for all the pieces. And I won't get too gross and gory. So just by seeing the kittens, they're up so fast and they're beating each other up and they don't know what's going on. And I was like, yes, there's so many other good reasons to do it. But from my perspective, if I had a kitten... I'd want to do it quick and get it over with. And I know that it's been the shortest possible, most painless procedure that I could ever offer them. So if I was in that situation, I would advocate with my local veterinarian to do it because I knew it would be easier on the kitten. And it is. I know what Dr. Mackey told me early on that within an hour, usually after surgery, they're up and playing. And that's just not true for older cats and kittens. There are some videos, I believe, online, too, that people can see about this. I think Dr. Mackey has one. And there are places you can go and get more information online about pediatric and juvenile spay and neuter. So I would encourage everybody, especially if they are getting a kitten this summer, to really, really get your kitten spayed or neutered as early as possible. And if your veterinarian adamantly refuses, then maybe it's time to shop around. Yes. And maybe one of the things that brings these other vets around is if they see that the market is demanding this, that they will come around. And I think that's going to be important because it's been very, very slow. We did work with a group of 10 or 11 veterinarians this last January. We had a focus group meeting and they pretty much agreed that by five months is the way to go. But to get them to get their organizations to endorse it publicly is taking a lot of time. 
the fact that it's been 25 years is very painful to me that we can't move this along quicker. But I think with enough people saying this and talking about it and insisting on it, we may be able to make some progress. I'd love to see it this coming year or next year to finally get the buy-in from the big veterinary organizations. Yes, this is the way to go. This is a best practice for many reasons. And the veterinarians that I have worked with, once they've done the procedure, once or twice, they're sold. I love seeing the little eyes light up and they go, I didn't realize this was going to be so easy. And it's a win-win all around. The owner doesn't have to worry about it anymore. The kitten's done with it. The veterinarian has done the surgery and the community isn't going to see that cat on the street very likely. So it's a, it's a wonderful prevention thing. It's public health at work. Agreed. Agreed. So Esther, I'm going to ask you a question I ask many of my guests. If you saw a stray cat on the street, what would you do? Well, what I do usually when this happens is that I begin asking questions. I even to my husband's chagrin, I mean, go and lock on doors. I want to find out where that kitten belongs. Sometimes there's a perfectly good answer that's right under our nose, and it's not a bad thing. So what I do is I just ask anyone I can find in, in that immediate area. Somebody usually knows something. You have to just sometimes keep asking. I, I remember once being down on the islands, and there was a cat out where it shouldn't be, and I kept going to different stores. It was in a, a little shopping mall until I found the place that had been feeding the cat. So they knew all about the cat. So I think that's the first thing is to just find out right on the spot who knows what about this animal. Right. Do your research. Research as much as possible before coming to any conclusions. And that does happen. People will immediately come to a certain conclusion and you need to make sure you do your homework first. If people are interested in finding out either about the United Spay Alliance or Fix Felines by Five, how would they find those resources? Well, with Fix Felines by Five, just Google it. That's probably the simplest thing. Marion's Dream, spelled M-A-R-I-A-N, is the host site for the Fix Felines by Five campaign. And like I said, we have overview, taking action, resources, all there about that. Now, if they're looking to get a spay or neuter affordably, there's a couple of places. One is to call Spay USA. It's 1-800-248-SPAY to get those referrals. United Spay Alliance, you just spell it out, unitedspayalliance.org. And there you have a state-by-state listing. The reason I gave both of those sources, Spay USA and United Spay Alliance, is that United Spay Alliance only has 30 states covered now, and Spay USA has all the states covered. So between the two, you should be able to find something very good within driving distance. That's the whole goal of these two programs. Esther, in closing, as our last question, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? You've been in animal welfare for over 20 years, and I'm sure there's lots that you can share with us, especially folks who are thinking about entering into the world of animal welfare and those that are interested in helping community cats. Well, I feel the best thing that we can do is lower their numbers to raise their status. You know, I think Back in Egypt, they had it right. You know, they worshiped them. (laughs) So I think cat status is quite low at this point, and it really needs to come back up again. And the best way to get there is to reduce their numbers. And so I would encourage people to get to work locally, either help a group that's already doing that locally, or if there's nothing locally, then start something to see to it that cats get spayed or neutered locally so that their numbers drop. Once the numbers are low enough, there's a shot that every one of them can get a good home. I hope I live long enough to see that happen. I don't know, but I hope so. Esther, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. 
You are a great friend to me, and I appreciate all the guidance that you have given me over the years, a friend and mentor. So I want to publicly thank you for everything that you have done for community cats and for owned cats all across the country over the years. So I appreciate everything that you've done, and I want to thank you for being a guest on this show, and hopefully you'd be willing to come on again in the future. Thank you so much, Stacy. It means a great deal to me, and your work is an inspiration to all of us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. (coughs) 